This is Love Marriage Again with Dr. Siobhan, the place where wives are empowered to embrace their marriage and feel completely in love with their husbands again. If you are a wife looking to create a happier marriage by transforming yourself, you've come to the right place. Here you will be inspired to fully accept your husband, be in control of your own happiness, and create a marriage that truly lights you up inside. Now, let's get to the work of loving your marriage again. Well, hello there. It is Dr. Siobhan. Welcome back to another podcast episode. I hope that you are doing amazing. Amazing. I just hope that you're doing amazing. We are picking up on our conversation from last week's episode, episode 161, which talked about the five dynamics that keep your marriage stuck. So if you are tuning into this episode without listening to that one, you might want to press pause here and go find that because I do a deep dive into these five dynamics, which I'll summarize for you here, just so you can remember and have the proper context as we go forward in this conversation today. So the five dynamics that I discussed with you last episode are, and remember, they had all the little like slashes because <laughs> I couldn't narrow them down to just one. So the first one is lack of reflection slash self-awareness slash taking responsibility, right? So this is just where you're either unaware of what's happening for you, your impact on your marriage, or you're just not at the place where you're able to take responsibility for your role. So you might be very defensive or your partner might be very defensive and just doesn't get it, just sort of sees things one way and is unable to sort of connect with themselves and what's going on with them, or you're unable to connect with yourself and what's going on with you to really create a breakthrough and create a change in the shift and direction of your marriage. So that's number one. Number two is the complaining slash defensiveness cycle. This is where one partner often leads with what's not working, what they're unhappy about, what their partner is not doing. Everything is communicated as a complaint which then creates a lot of defensiveness in the other partner who feels attacked, who feels blamed, who feels like um, what they're doing isn't good enough and doesn't feel acknowledged. So that's the second one. Number three was negative thoughts about each other. Just plain old brains doing what brains do. And we all have a negativity bias. And so we are naturally inclined to look for what's wrong, what's not working, what we don't like about our partner, what they're not doing, who they're not being, how they're not meeting our expectations. And so this is a really, it's one of those aspects of this work that I do that I don't even think I could actually 
and accurately describe how impactful it is, the thoughts you think about each other that just go unchecked and then grow into resentment and all of the things that drive you apart as a couple. Number four was self being in a self-protective stance slash withdrawing slash withholding. <laughs> So that's kind of like when you go into your shell, either you've tried to communicate with your spouse and they're not receptive or they're overly defensive about everything that whatever you talk about just doesn't feel like a safe space Um, or you withdrawn like you're just like they're not going to put forth an effort. So I'm not going to put forth an effort. And so you go into sort of your separate corners of the world or withholding, which is where you're kind of intentionally not giving and sharing of yourself, not giving and sharing of your love. You are, you know, just building a wall around your heart that your spouse can't get through, or they're building a wall around their heart that you can't get through, right? Because these are dynamics that go in either direction. And then the last one is hyper-independence. That's when Maybe you've asked your partner to help out or do certain things and they're just not as reliable as you would like them to be. And then you become hyper independent. You don't ask them for anything. You've sort of like made an agreement with yourself, like I'm never asking them to do this again. Or hyper independence can come from just being a very independent person of maybe having a life or an upbringing where maybe your parents didn't offer a lot of guidance and support to you. So you had to figure things out on your own. And or maybe this is a second marriage or a second relationship. And so you've learned to rely only on yourself and you have to unlearn that to let your current husband, wife, spouse, partner into the fold with you. So Those are the five dynamics that we talked about last time, and I gave you homework. So the homework was to check in and to really just identify, you know, one of these dynamics and to notice what it looks like, what it feels like, how it shows up in your marriage. And so I hope you did your homework. So I'll give you a minute to just like think about it. If you didn't do it or if you started and then forgot, right? So back to those five dynamics, right? The lack of reflection and lack of self-awareness slash lack of taking responsibility. That's one. The complaining defensiveness stance, the negative thoughts about each other, the self-protective withdrawing, withholding, and the hyper-independence. So if you didn't do your homework, just pause right now, press pause and think about the past week and how any of those showed up for you, okay? Because today, <laughs> six minutes into the episode, what we are going to be talking about are the solutions and what you do or the perspectives or how to begin addressing these dynamics. And as I was going through and coming up with what I wanted to share, they fall into a lot of different categories. So some of these ways to address the dynamics just require you thinking about things differently. Um, Some of them are tangible actions and things you can actually do. And other things are just inner work that you want to explore within yourself. So there's no one size fits all. The other thing that I wanted to say is 
because we're dealing with dynamics, I recognize that, you know, dynamics feed on each other. And so as I share these solutions, I'm going to be intentional and try my best to acknowledge that you might be the person, I guess, creating this dynamic or your partner might be the person creating this dynamic and you both are just reacting to and responding to each other. So I want you to really, as you listen and explore and process what I'll share, really just think about like, what is your seat in the dynamic and what is your spouse's seat in the dynamic? Okay, so again, the first one is that lack of reflection and self-awareness and taking responsibility. I'll say on the front end for this one in particular, a lot of times when I'm talking with my clients, they are bringing this in terms of like their partner doesn't have it, right? So if you're not self-aware, more than likely, you're not going to be coming to me telling me you're not self-aware. (laughs) right? It's sort of like, it's a complete blind spot. So you don't know what you don't know. Um, And it's something that as a coach, I often have to point out to my clients. And so when it is pointed out to them, I can think of a few where when it's pointed out to them, they recognize that like, that's just the work they need to do, that they are not as vulnerable in communicating. They don't know what's going on for them. They're highly reactive. And so I just want to say that on the front end for this one in particular, it may be a little skewed and lopsided that you listening are thinking more about how your spouse might not be self-aware or um, self-reflective or taking responsibility. But I'll encourage you to think about it for yourself just the same, because I think self-awareness is one of those skill sets that we can never fine tune and hone enough. All right. So in order to address this, if it's a dynamic that is lacking and missing and creating challenges in your marriage is first for you, right? This is you working on your self-awareness is you have to really tune into yourself and I want you to just get in the habit of constantly asking, what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? Think back to trigger moments or conversations that went really poorly and identify what was the very specific thought you were thinking in that moment that made you say what you said. It's so funny for me because my brain is so on to itself always. And this happens, this is happening a lot with my children and parenting them and trying to get them to accomplish things. They are, now they're seven and eight. This is like the week where they're seven and eight. My son just had a birthday, but my daughter's birthday is in a couple of weeks, so they will be seven and nine. But for those of you who have children in similar ages or can remember when your kids were this age, you know, right? You know that there is asking for the thing to get done about 20 times before it actually gets done. And so I can recognize like when I say something in a tone and my kids pick up on it right away, that I know exactly what I'm thinking. Like my brain does not hide it from me. It's like, oh, you're thinking this, you're worried about this, you're fearful of this. That's why you have a tone. And so that's what it looks like to have massive self-awareness, but that comes from 
always asking yourself, thinking about the moments that you don't show up as your best and highest version, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? What need were you trying to get met? Because that is the only reason that you reacted the way you reacted. Okay. One other really important thing in connecting your self-awareness is connecting it to your childhood. So all of us have some open wounds or some unhealed issues or even some significant trauma from our childhood. And so you want to think about the relationship between the things that sort of set you off now and how it relates to your childhood. I was actually coaching a client recently, um, the husband of a partnership, and he typically, when his wife is upset about something, he will sort of be very defensive and a little bit dismissive. He's working on it and he's made massive progress, but there's still just like this edge of like, you should be getting over this. Like, we shouldn't have to be talking about this. Like, why are you bringing this up, right? That's kind of like the energy of it. And so we were talking in one of our private calls and we really like went back to his childhood and came to the conclusion that he never had anybody to talk to about anything that was bothering him as a little boy growing up. He talked about like being in the third and the fourth grade and making the sports team and being the only one who didn't get to play on the first game and going home and there was nobody there to talk to him about it. Like nobody, it just was like, get over it. Don't think about it. Hope it goes away. Those were the three messages he got growing up as a child that are now so evident in the dynamic between him and his wife, okay? So that childhood connecting the dots is so important. I feel like the more and more I do that work with my clients, the more and more I feel like everyone has to get this and I want you to get it, okay? So that's that piece. The other piece of sort of taking responsibility, right, is in order to be able to take responsibility, you have to be willing and comfortable with potentially being wrong. Now, our human ego doesn't like that whatsoever. We never want to be wrong. But it's important. It's important because it opens your eyes to yourself, right? And so when you are willing to be wrong about something, wrong about the way you see it, wrong about the way you've been doing it, then that opens you up to consider your partner's feedback. And this is where your partner's self-awareness and your partner's ability to take responsibility really matters. Because when you are giving feedback or when your partner is giving you feedback, there is a correct way to do that, right? We want to avoid blaming. We want to start with our positive intent. We want to remember that this is a person that we love, and if your partner is giving you feedback in that way, right, you want to just allow yourself to sit with it and consider where it's true. And some of it may not be true, right? And some of it may be delivered in a way that's really off-putting and really offensive and really hard to hear. So I know that you're human and those things are difficult. And so if that's the case, then in your work in developing more self-awareness and being able to take responsibility, 
you want to just really start asking yourself, well, how can I be better? Like if my goal each day is to just be 1% better in my marriage and quite frankly, in all areas of your life, because marriage doesn't exist in a vacuum, what would that look like? What would it look like for me to just be 1% better every single day. That is going to open you up to self-awareness. That's going to open you up to the pockets of your life and in your day where you can make better choices and start taking some ownership for things when it doesn't go as well as it could have. Okay. So that's number one, how to address the lack of reflection, self-awareness, taking responsibility. Number two, how to address the complaining defensiveness cycle. There's one solution there. Vulnerability. Being willing to be massively vulnerable and to have a heart-to-heart conversation. This is contrasted with a head-to-head conversation where you're going back and forth debating the details of something or a heart-to-head conversation where one of you is leading with your feelings and how you're feeling and the other is trying to solve it with your head, (laughs) right? That is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about heart-to-heart where you both bring your vulnerable emotions to each other and allow your hearts to hear each other. I want you to think about anyone in your life when they come to you really vulnerably And you hear their heart, right? We've heard that term before of like, I hear your heart. I hear your sadness. I hear your loneliness. I hear your desires. I hear your longings, right? That is so tender and so special. And it is a beautiful thing when it can happen inside of your marriage. Getting choked up because... This is just so powerful to allow yourself to have these vulnerable conversations. And so what that looks like is for the person who is wanting more or feeling unhappy or feeling like something is missing, instead of leading with what's not working and how unhappy you are and how you know much your partner is dropping the ball, lead with your desires. What is it that you really want? I would love for us to be able to spend more time together. I would love for us to be able to have conversations that don't in arguments. I would love to feel supported in this marriage like we are a team and united. I would love to feel desired in this marriage where our intimacy feels amazing for both of us, right? When that's how you're coming to your partner, it's much easier to hear that than all the negativity. Right. And so for the other person who typically has the position of feeling defensive, your work is to be aware and conscious of the emotions you feel when your partner is giving you constructive feedback or complaining. Right. So most times when I'm talking to my clients, the person that is feeling defensive is feeling defensive because their partner's comments have brought up shame or guilt or inadequacy or insecurity, right? When you're getting constructive feedback about something you could be doing better, of course you're going to feel bad. 
Because at the end of the day, you want your spouse to be happy with you. You want to feel like you're performing well as a partner. And if that feels threatened by the way your, you know, your spouse is bringing things to you or by their complaints, then of course you're going to feel guilty. Of course you're going to feel shamed. Of course you're going to feel blamed. And feeling defensive is a natural human emotion, but we want to get underneath that emotion so that we can get to the heart of it and you can have that heart-to-heart connection. So instead of explaining things away, instead of dismissing or diminishing what your partner is bringing to you, just be honest about how you feel hearing it, right? It's like, wow, I hear you and I feel really bad. I feel awful. I feel guilty. I feel embarrassed. I feel ashamed. Oh my gosh. That vulnerability is a game changer in your communication, right? Number three, those pesky negative thoughts about each other. This is something I want you to think about your brain in this work being a workout at the gym. Right. So if you're working at the gym, you're lifting some weights, you'll do like your whatever reps and then you'll get tired and then you'll stop. (laughs) Right. That's me, at least. I don't even go to the gym. Um, We have a treadmill here and I do that, although I should probably start back lifting weights and just build a little bit more muscle mass. Anyways, I digress. So I remember when I did go to the gym what my workouts would look like when I did them on my own versus what they looked like when I was with a trainer. And so when it comes to addressing the negative thoughts you have about each other, I want you to imagine you are in the gym with a trainer. And the approach that I want to offer you, which I've mentioned on this podcast many times before, and certainly in my emails and my posts on social media, is to practice balanced thinking. Balanced thinking is just being as conscious and as intentional to think about the positives as it is to naturally and unintentionally and by default think about the negatives. So when you catch yourself in a negative thought about your partner, I want you to balance that out. Just balance it out. Find something positive about them that you love and that you appreciate. Now, that doesn't mean we are here to deny the reality of the things that are really difficult for you. That's not what this is about. It is about helping you approach them from a more grounded place because all of us have amazing qualities and really challenging qualities. And so when you're only focused on the negative, every interaction, every conversation is with this person that you see as just a horrible enemy against you, doesn't care, so selfish, so negative, so complaining, the end, right? And you just want to balance that all out. You want to give them grace. You want to recognize like, okay, yes, in this area, it's really hard and I don't like the way they're showing up and I don't like the way they think about it and I don't like the way they do it, but what else? Where else are we aligned? Where else do I see them trying or doing the thing that pleases me or that meets an expectation? Okay. So again, with the balanced thinking for every negative thought, I want you to come up with a positive thought. It's literally just balancing out the scale. 
Okay. Number four, that self-protective withdrawing and withholding dynamic, right? So I want to acknowledge that there is a thing as like good self-protection, even in a marriage, where what you're focusing on is how to keep yourself in a good, peaceful, grounded state. So if you have a relationship where the emotional safety isn't there, which just means like you don't feel comfortable bringing things to your partner because when you do, they blame it on you, they gaslight you, they diminish how you're feeling, they mock you, whatever the case may be. And from that experience, what you recognize is that over time, there are few conversations that feel helpful for you right? You bring the conversation wanting to make things better, but you find yourself feeling worse at the end because of how your partner has responded to you. And if that's the case, I want to just honor and offer that there are times where good self-protection is important. And that simply means like you just don't engage in those conversations anymore right? You stop bringing things to them. You stop trying to get them to see and understand. You just let them be and you focus instead on your own self-love, your own self-trust, clarifying what you want and really focusing on the things that bring you joy in your life, okay? This doesn't even have to come from a place of resentment. It can come from a place of just Loving acceptance of like, wow, okay, my partner is just not able to meet me here in this space. That's okay. I'm not going to judge them. They have a lot going on that some I know about, some I may not even know about. But right now, instead of trying to drag them along or force them to get it, I'm just going to focus on filling my own cup and really practice self-love. Okay, so that's one. Now, the bad with holding or withdrawing, right? Where that, honestly, when I see that happen, it's coming about because of resentment. And you're resentful. And so you're like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be around you. You're not doing this. So I'm not going to do that, right? It comes from either a very petty or a very deeply hurt place. And that's what we want to get to, the hurt, because resentment and anger and frustration and annoyance with each other is only covering up a deeper wounding, a deeper hurt. So if you're finding yourself in a place of withholding or withdrawing, or if this is what's happening for your partner, just know that it's coming from a place of deep hurt and pain. And if this is you doing this, I really want to encourage you to just acknowledge the hurt and the pain, whether that's to yourself or to your spouse. But ignoring it isn't going to make it better. Number five is addressing the issue of hyper-independence, okay? And so here, the solutions are interdependence or empowered independence, okay? 
So interdependence is just consciously learning to lean on each other and letting each other in for help and support. That might mean making requests, setting boundaries, and evaluating them. That might mean just having a conversation about what you want, what you need, and what your partner is able to give, right? I was actually... um, I am an expert on this platform called Peanut. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that here, but the developers of the app found me (laughs) and invited me onto their community. And I have a few groups on there and like tons of people are in these groups, like tens of thousands of people. And someone had posted about needing more help, right? They had a baby, they were engaged and trying to plan a wedding. And the the female was really overwhelmed. And she had mentioned a lot of things that she had spoken to her fiance about, and he just wasn't getting it. And, and you know, I asked her, I was like, or I suggested to her because she was asking what to do. And I gave her this process. And basically what it boils down to is, really having a conversation about what are the expectations? What are they expecting? What are you expecting? Because I think a lot of times people try to approach, you know, equity in their relationship or managing all the responsibilities of the home from a place of like, this is what I need you to do. And don't get me wrong, I am a big fan of asking for what you need. But in this case, they hadn't even had the conversation about what are the expectations? What did he expect to be doing as a father, as a partner in planning this wedding. Maybe he had no expectations that he was going to be doing anything. And so her asking him to do stuff is just a total, you know, like left field for him to even wrap his brain around because maybe that's not the model he had or just maybe it's not the picture he had in his mind. Nothing wrong with that, right? But we at least want to know it. I know some of you are listening, you're like, wait, there is something wrong with that. Yes, 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 there is. There's there's nothing wrong with the fact that that's what he thought initially, right? Because the process that I shared with her is you guys can still have the conversation. Like you need to just collect the data to understand why this has been such an issue, why he's still not getting it, why no matter how many times you ask or how many ways you ask, he just has a block, He has different expectations and we need to understand what those are. And then you come with your expectations and it's almost like you're meeting there with your, your, (laughs) I don't know why I just got the visual of like your sand buckets. It's like, okay, here's my sand bucket and here's the tools that I have. And these are the things that I want to contribute. And here's my sand bucket. And these are the tools that I have. And these are the things that I want to contribute. And then you come together to decide what are we going to build? right? Like that's the collaboration that we want when we're functioning in interdependence. Now, on the other side, right? I do want to offer the option for some of you, because this is what's going to work better, is empowered independence, right? Because the hyper independence comes from like a place of resentment of like, I'm not going to ask you because you're not going to show up for me as opposed to empowered independence is where you just own your priorities, right? You're just like, this is really important to me. And I understand that it's not a priority for you. And so I'm going to take the lead for myself. 
I'm not going to hold you responsible. I'm not going to say you made me do it and you weren't here to help me. I am just going to do what needs to be done. So that really might work for you, right? Just try that. Try owning your priorities from a place of, well, I get to be the CEO of this aspect of our lives. And I own it and I take responsibility for it and it's good with me. Just a much more peaceful perspective for you to adopt. All right. So this episode was jam-packed with things. I am going to give you homework again, but it's going to be in multiple parts because there's so much here, right? And what I want you to do is just identify the one thing you heard as a solution or as an approach that you want to try. Just start with one. It doesn't matter which category it falls under. I don't want you to stress yourself about that. I just want you to think about in this moment right now, of all the things Dr. Siobhan has just said, what is the thing that I heard loud and clear that I want to really practice, apply, think more about, implement in my life? Just pick one and try it for a week. Again, see how it goes. And then come back to this episode, listen again for whatever you're dealing with in the moment and identify another strategy, okay? This is not to overwhelm you and to have you trying to do 15 different things, but there is something that you heard here right now that you know that landed for you. And that was just like, oh, this is for you. What is that? And I want to encourage you to take action and to start applying that, living it out, integrating that into your life. It will make such a difference in rewriting, redoing some of these dynamics that keep you stuck in your marriage. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It is always a pleasure to share this content with you. And if you are ready to work with me privately, I encourage you to reach out. We can schedule a consult call where you'll tell me what's happening and I will share with you exactly how I can support you. This is just a really wonderful opportunity to master everything I've just gone over in this podcast episode. So if that's for you, visit my website, drshavon.com. Visit the button that says work with me, and then we'll visit together on a Zoom call for your consultation. I look forward to seeing you there for those of you who will take action on that offer. And otherwise, I'll meet you back here next week for another episode. Bye for now. Now, if you loved this episode, you will want to download a free resource I created called 13 Beliefs to Hold On To When Marriage Gets Tough. Download it at bit.ly forward slash 13 Marriage Beliefs. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash 13 Marriage Beliefs. And of course, I will be back with you next week. Until then, commit to loving your marriage again.